0: Let's read together, Isaiah 44. This is what the Lord says, Israel's King and Redeemer, the Lord Almighty. I am the first and I am the last. Apart from me there is no God. Who then is like me? Let him proclaim it. Let him declare and lay out before me what has happened since I established my ancient people and what is yet to come. Yes, let them foretell what will come. Do not tremble. Do not be afraid. Did I not proclaim this and foretell it long ago? You are my witnesses. Is there any God beside me? No, there is no other rock. I know not one. All who make idols are nothing, and the things they treasure are worthless. Those who would speak up for them are blind. They are ignorant to their own shame. Who shapes a god and casts an idol which can profit nothing? People who do that (coughs) will be put to shame. Such craftsmen are only human beings. Let them all come together and take their stand. They will be brought down to terror and shame. The blacksmith takes a tool and works with it in the coals, he shapes an idol with hammers. He forges it with the might of his arm. He gets hungry and loses strength. He drinks no water and grows faint. The carpenter measures a line and makes an outline with a marker. He roughs it out with chisels and marks it with compasses. He shapes it in human form. Human form in all its glory, that he may, it may dwell in a shrine. He cut down cedars, or perhaps take a cypress or oak. He let it grow among the trees of the forest or planted a pine, and the rain made it grow. It is used as fuel for burning. Some of it he takes and warms himself. He kindles a fire and bakes bread, but he also fashions a god and worships it. He makes an idol and bowed down to it. Half of the wood he burns in the fire. Over it he prepares his meal. He roasts his meat and eats his full. He also warms himself and says, uh, I am warm. I see the fire. From the rest he makes a god, his idol. He bows down to it and worships. He prays to it and says, Save me. You are my God. Ephesians 1 from verse 3. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realm with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ, in accordance with his pleasure And will, to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sin, in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us. With all wisdom and understanding, he made known to us the mysteries of his will according to his good pleasure, which he he purposed in Christ to be put into effect when the time reaches their fulfillment to bring bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ.
1: Well good morning everybody. Good to be here, good to be with you. Let me express my uh, appreciation and thanks for inviting me to join you this morning here at Willow. And it's always a pleasure, always a blessing to be able to bring God's Word to God's people. And I do pray uh, at the end of our service and our time this morning that you will be blessed, you will be encouraged uh, and convicted this morning. Well let me start uh, by speaking. Talking about someone who's famous, someone who's renowned for his cycling abilities. Let's look at Lance Armstrong. Now that name is a household name for many of us. We know who he is. Considered to be a sports icon for winning Tour de France, the most prestigious cycling tournament in the world. And he won that tournament seven times in a row. Now, it wasn't just the fact that he won it seven times in a row that made him famous. It's also the fact that he won this tournament after recovering from stage 3 cancer. And this cancer had spread to his lymph nodes, to his lungs, and to his brain, and to his stomach. And doctors gave him almost no hope of surviving the cancer when he was diagnosed. But against all odds, he managed to survive. He recovered from the cancer, started training once again for his cycling career, declared to be cancer-free in February, 1997. And he won his first Tour de France in 1999. And when he won that Tour de France, he was seen as a role model because you know, he's someone who survived cancer and is able to thrive after that. It was a very inspiring story. People looked up to him, And he inspired millions of people in their fight against cancer. His story is an example of perseverance, of resilience. And so, for many people inside and outside the world cycling, Lance Armstrong was their idol. They wanted to be like him. His life story, one of great success after surviving cancer, was one that promises so much. But it all came upon in 2005 when he was accused and then later proven to have taken performance-enhancing drugs in his cycling career. That's doping, and as you know, that's highly illegal in all forms of sports. Huge news when he was reported, right? All the um, newspaper, news um, on the TV, they were reporting about it. And because of this, he was stripped of his seven Tour de France title. And this news devastated many people many people because well he was their idol they looked up to him and he failed them their idol failed them his story promised much but in the end it was a lie and their idol failed them and so many were devastated today the passage that we're looking at is psalm 115. great psalm great psalm that many are unfamiliar with. It is a psalm that talks about idols and the God of the Bible. And what the psalmist wants us to do is push us not to trust in idols, but to put our trust in the God of the Bible. And he draws a contrast. He shows us the, the difference between the idols and the God of the Bible. So let me read from Psalm 115. If you have a Bible, turn with me to Psalm 115. I will read the whole psalm. And when I read this psalm, one of the things that you'll notice is that the word Lord is in small capital letters. That's normally referring to the covenantal name of God that's told to us in Exodus chapter 3. And in that passage, we read that God's name is Yahweh. And that name is a reminder of God's covenantal relationship with His people and His love with His people. So it's not just any God that's out there. This is a special God who has promised, made the great promise that he will be their God and they will be his people. Alright, so throughout the sermon, what I'm going to do is I'm going to try to use this name Yahweh to remind us of this relationship whenever we come across this word in Psalm 115. So Psalm 115, let's take a look there. If you have your Bibles, turn with me there. I'll read the whole Psalm. Verse 1. Not to us, Lord, or not to us, Yahweh, not to us. To your name be the glory, because of your love and faithfulness. Why do the nations say that where is their God? Our God is in heaven. He does whatever pleases Him. But their idols are silver and gold, made by human hands. They have mouths but cannot speak, eyes but cannot see. They have ears but cannot hear, noses but cannot smell. They have hands but cannot feel, feet but cannot walk, nor can they utter a sound with their throats. Those who make them will be like them, so will all who trust in them. All you Israelites, trust in Yahweh. He is their help and shield. House of Aaron, trust in Yahweh. He is their help and shield. You who fear him, trust in Yahweh. He is their help and shield. Yahweh remembers us and will bless us. He will bless his people, Israel. He will bless the house of Aaron. You bless those who fear Yahweh, small and great alike. May Yahweh cause you to flourish, both you and your children. May you be blessed by Yahweh, the maker of heaven and earth. The highest heavens belong to Yahweh, but the earth he has given to mankind. It is not the dead who praise Yahweh, those who go down to the place of silence. It is we who extol Yahweh, both now and forevermore. Praise the Lord. And that's hallelujah in Hebrew. Praise Yahweh. It is a great psalm a great psalm that really gives us a contrast between idols and yahweh the god of the bible now verse one is one of my favorite passages in all of scripture not to us yahweh not to us but to your name be the glory because of your love and faithfulness it's a short verse but one that is packed with significance packed with biblical truth and heart in some sense it is Really, the antidote to all that is happening in our world today. Because it's so completely opposite to what we're hearing in our world. And sometimes when we hear something like this, it is a bit jarring. It is so different from what we're hearing. And the rest of the psalm, in some sense, is just an unpacking of this verse. So we'll have a look at this psalm, Psalm 115. The first point that we can see from this psalm is this Point number one Idols promise much cannot deliver. Idols promise much, but cannot deliver. And so this psalmist, he begins with the idols of their culture. The idols of their culture of their day, made with silver and gold, made by human hands. While we're not given the exact shape, exact identity of these idols, from the way this psalmist describes these idols, we know that they have mouths, they have ears, they have eyes and nose and hands and feet and throats. And so from the way that these idols looked and from their appearance, it would seem like they could speak and hear and smell and feel and walk. And one of the ways that these idols are worshipped in those days (coughs) is that people would often bring a sacrifice to specific idols to ask for specific blessings. So to secure blessings from uh, different gods, what people would do is that they would go through these specific rituals and festivals, sacrifice specific things, all with the intention of satisfying this idol or this god, and then once you have satisfied this god, this god will bless you in that specific area. Otherwise, y- you wouldn't get a blessing from uh, those gods. So it could be the god of f- fertility if you want to have babies, it could be the god of uh, wisdom if you are schooling, god of craft for your carpentry work, and on and on. And the individual families they will, they would pick their own idols or gods to choose to worship at home. And it was part and parcel of everyday life. They were everywhere. And in many senses, the worship of idols for them, it made sense of life. That's a formula. That's there is a way, guaranteed way of securing blessings. Sacrifice, offer these things to these specific idols, and you will be blessed. There's no guessing. Very easy, straightforward. It appealed to the senses, you know, you can see idols, you can touch them, you can feel them. And it helps that everyone did that as well. But the psalmist here, he says that even though these idols have the appearance of mouths and eyes and ears and nose and hands and feet and throat, even though they looked promising that these idols could speak and could hear, could smell, could feel and make a sound, they could not do anything any of those things nothing they could not bring blessings idols they promise much but they cannot deliver now if you think about it how could they when they are merely the creation of our own hands right in our bible reading in isaiah chapter 44 isaiah shows us how nonsensical it is to make And worship an idol, right? As as it was read through, it's meant to sound absurd. It's meant to sound nonsensical, right? In that passage, what we hear and read of is, you know, a carpenter who measures, chisels out the idol of a human form, only to be put into a shrine to be worshipped. Trees, you you plant trees, you grow trees, and then what do you do with it? You cut it down to use it for fuel for burning, to warm himself, used to make Uh, to cook, make fire to cook bread and then what else do they do with it? They fashion a god out of it to worship it verse 17 the person makes a god out of wood wood that he uses to keep himself warm as he burns it he bows down to an idol he makes from that same wood and he says save me, you are my god it's nonsensical that's what Isaiah goes on and say in verses 18 and 19, just a little bit after our Bible reading. They know nothing. They understand nothing. Their eyes are plastered over so they cannot see. Their minds closed so they cannot understand. No one stops to think. No one has the knowledge or understanding to say, half of it I use for fuel. I even bake bread over its coals. I roast the meat and I ate. Should I make a detestable thing for what is? left, shall I bow down to a block of wood?" People were not thinking. They did not stop and think how absurd it is. They promised so much in their appearance, but they cannot do any of these things. Idols cannot speak, cannot see, cannot hear, cannot smell, cannot feel, cannot walk. And those who worship these idols through rituals and festivals, in the hopes of being blessed by these gods, like these idols, they are doing it in futility. These idols, they can't bless. They promise much, but they cannot deliver. And so if we go back to Psalm 115 and look at verse 8, this is what the psalmist says. Those who make them and trust in them will be like them. In other words, we become what we worship. That has not changed today we still have idols today. Now, idols is simply the worship of created things rather than the God who made all things. And the worship of idols today may look very different compared to what they were like 2,000 years ago or more than 2,000 years ago. At its core, they are still the same. They promise much, but they cannot deliver. Idol worship was part and parcel of life 2,000 years ago. Idol worship is still a part and parcel of our lives today. And if we don't worship these common idols today, while we're considered weird and strange, and increasingly we are thought to be a blight upon our society. And the idols of our day, they promise us so much, and from all appearances, they look like they can fulfill all these things, but they cannot. Let me read you a quote. A quote from a very insightful man, from David Foster Wallace, not a Christian, American novelist, American writer, but he understood and he had real insight into the human heart. And in this commencement, commandment, sorry, my, I'm tripping over my words. Commencement speech in 2005. This is what he says about modern day idolatry. He says this. In the day-to-day trenches of adult life, there's no such thing as atheism. There's no such thing as not worshipping. Everybody worships. The only choice we get is what to worship. And an outstanding reason for choosing some sort of God or spiritual type thing to worship, and he goes on to list a bunch of different gods, is that pretty much anything else you worship will eat you alive. If you worship money and things, if they're if they are where you tap real meaning in life, then you will never have enough. Never feel you have enough. It's the truth. Worship your own body and beauty and sexual allure, and you will always feel ugly. When time, And when time and age start showing, you die a million deaths before they finally grieve you. Worship power and you'll feel weak and afraid, and you'll need ever more power over others to keep, you, keep the fear at bay. Worship your intellect, being seen and smart, you will you end up feeling stupid, a fraud, always on the verge of being found out. Idols promise much, but cannot deliver. And a common idol for us today is the idol of wealth. Right? Wealth promises so much blessing to us, and I'm sure you can think of all the infinite away, ways that wealth can bless us. But when we worship at the altar of wealth, we sacrifice more and more to this God. We sacrifice time with family to work more. We sacrifice friends when they don't help us to gain more wealth. We sacrifice our own moral values when we prioritize more and more wealth. We do all of those things. In the end, wealth cannot deliver what it promises. It cannot give you true security in life. No amount of wealth can cure the terminal cancer that you may have. No amount of wealth can rebuild the marriage that you lost. No amount of wealth can buy back your soul once you've lost it. Now, for many of us, we can recognize the idolatry of wealth. But there are other idols that's a little bit harder for us to recognize. One of them is probably making an idol out of our children. But at all costs, sometimes we want them to be happy and healthy and successful. We want them to have the best education, best at sports, have the greatest achievements. And so what do we do? We cater to their every whim, either that, or we pressure them to study hard, to have great academic achievement, or we pressure them to train hard at sports, to be the best they can at sports. And so when we have children as our idols, either we exhaust ourselves trying to do all of those things, or if our children does not measure up to our own standards, we feel despair, or we get angry at them, angry at them for failing to meet our own standards on their lives. And when that happens, what do you think will happen to the relationship between the parent and the children? Idols promise much, but they cannot deliver. Now again, don't, don't get me wrong, children are great gifts from God, but they, ultimately they belong to God. They're God's gift to us, and we don't worship the gift, we worship the giver, and we worship God, and we model, and we teach that to our children. There are idols in our world today, idols that demand our sacrifice to secure its blessings. They promise much, but they cannot deliver. A common idol, another one, for Christians, for some Christians, is the idol of politics, where we talk as if if we align ourselves to one particular party in the hopes and pray hard that once this party gets elected in and everything's going to be fine, there's going to be revival in our land. We talk and pray as if that's the case. Or we make an idol out of our smartphones or social media where They're supposed to make us more connected to the rest of the world, but what they have done is to make people feel even more disconnected and discontented more and more. Idols, they promise much, but they cannot deliver. That's why the psalmist contrasts these idols with Yahweh, with the covenantal God who himself has made great promises. But the difference between Yahweh and these idols is that this god of the bible he is in heaven and he does whatever pleases him and unlike idols which are which are completely worthless and useless and powerless Yahweh is completely sovereign and not any of those things and that's why we come to our second point point. point number two the lord or Yahweh delivers what the idols cannot Yahweh delivers what the idols cannot. That's the contrast the psalmist is trying to make. Look at verses 2 and 3. So he says this. Why do the nations say, where is their God? Our God is in heaven. He does whatever pleases Him. You see, unlike idol worship, we worship a God that is in heaven. Idol worship is worshiping something we can see here on earth. But the God of the Bible, Yahweh, well, He doesn't. Dwell on earth. He's in heaven. In fact, He explicitly tells us not to make any image of Him in the second commandment. And that's why the nations ask, well, where's your God? Where's their God? Because they cannot see the God that we worship. The, word, the God that they worship are all idols. We can see, we can touch them. The God that we worship, He's in heaven. And that's why one of the, this is one of the reasons why the earliest Christians in the New Testament, They were considered atheists by some people in those days, right? The idols of their day, they can see them, they can touch them. They have altars and shrines, temples built for their idols. And for Christians in those days, what do we have? We don't have temples, we don't have shrines, we don't have altars. And what do Christians do? They refuse to worship the traditional gods or idols of the society. That's completely radical, radical behavior from Christians. And people took offence at these Christians because, well, they didn't worship these gods. These Christians were not only strange and weird because they don't worship these idols, people would often be angry at them and be hostile to them. Because when you don't worship these idols according to them, well, you're not securing blessing from these gods. Which means that these gods, well, they're unhappy. They're going to bring judgment on us. Many of the bad things are happening here in our society is because of these Christians who refuse to bow down to these idols. The gods will be angry. Why are you not worshipping them? That's why people were angry at the Christians in those days. And if you think about it, it's not that much different from our story today, isn't it? When we refuse to bow down to the idols of our world today, there is often hostility and anger towards us. They take offense at us, thinking that we have angered the gods of our world. When we have not conformed to the rituals and festivities they are expected of us. At the very least, our refusal to worship the gods of our world, the idols of our world, makes us look like strange and weird people. Who are these people who... Value things so completely differently from the rest of the world. Especially when we do not bow down to the ideals of sex and money and power or status. When we don't worship the idol of sex in the way that the rest of society does, people get angry. When we don't worship wealth in the same way that everyone else does, people get surprised. When we don't bow down to the idol of self, people get confused. They don't understand. But that's because we worship Yahweh, the God of the Bible, in heaven. Unlike the idols of the world, the Lord, Yahweh, delivers what the idols cannot. Look at verse 12. Yahweh remembers us and will bless us. He will bless his people, Israel. He will bless the house of Aaron. He will bless those who fear the Lord, fear Yahweh, small and great alike. This is the living God who made all things. The God of the universe, as verse 16 says, highest heavens belong to Yahweh. This God remembers us, blesses us. This is not a God made out of wood or silver or gold, but one who is in control, sustains the universe. The one who remembers us and blesses us. And all the things that we wish the idols of our world will provide for us, security and meaning, pleasure, belonging, blessing, Yahweh will deliver. He will deliver all these blessings. He is, after all, sovereign. He does whatever He pleases. And what He is pleased to do is promise that He will bless His people and those who fear the Lord, small and greater alike. And so no matter who you are, no matter what background you're from, what language you speak, no matter what status you hold in your job, small and great alike, God will bless you. Verse 14, May the Lord, may Yahweh cause you to flourish, both you and your children. The Lord delivers what the idols cannot. That's the kind of God we worship. It's not the dead who praises Yahweh. Those who trust in this God, to trust in this Lord. That's why right in the middle, right at the heart of this psalm, Psalm 115, is the repeated call to trust in the Lord. At the heart of what this psalmist wants us to do, wants his readers to know and act, is to trust in the Lord. Trust in this Yahweh, where He could deliver what the idols cannot. Let me read (coughs) verses 9 to 11. (coughs) Excuse me. All you Israelites, trust in Yahweh. He is their help and shield. House of Aaron, trust in Yahweh. He is their help and shield. You who fear him, fear, trust in Yahweh. He is their help and shield. This repeated call to trust in Yahweh is right at the heart of this song, right in the middle. He calls all of God's people, all you Israelites, trust in Yahweh. All of us here, trust in God. He is our help and shield. House of Aaron, the priest who served in the temple, Trust in Yahweh. All of us who are leaders of ministry, from small group to kids' ministry to anyone with leadership influence, trust in Yahweh. He is your help and shield. Those who fear Yahweh, Gentiles or outsiders who have come in and come to fear the God of Israel, trust in the Lord. Those of you who are visiting here, trying to find out more about this God, the call is for you to trust in Yahweh, trust in this God. Turn away from the idols of this world. They cannot satisfy. They cannot bless. They cannot deliver on what they promise. But trust in God and God alone. He is your help and shield. The Lord delivers what the idols cannot. And so we trust in Yahweh instead. This God remembers us. He will bless us. He will cause us and our children to flourish. The greatest way that this God has loved us and blessed us is in the person of Jesus Christ and he has sealed this love in us by his spirit. So in our Bible reading from Ephesians chapter 1, we read of this great blessing that we have been given in Christ. Through Christ, God has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in in the heavenly realms. He has not withheld any blessing from us. And so we have security, we have meaning, we have pleasure, we have belonging, we have blessing. We have the favor of God Almighty through the propitiation of Christ on the cross. Through the resurrection of Christ, we are adopted into the family of God. In which when we look at God and talk to God and pray to God, we talk and pray and look to our Heavenly Father. Have you thought about that? That is absolutely mind-blowing every time I think about it. God, the creator, sustainer of all things, the one who dwells in heaven, the one who is sovereign over all. We are given the blessing of relating to this God as our Heavenly Father in Christ. We don't need to bring a sacrifice to Him to secure a blessing from Him. He has blessed us immensely through the person of His Son, sealed by the Spirit, so that now we can look to Him as our Heavenly Father. He hears our prayers. We don't have to bring a sacrifice and go through elaborate rituals to approach Him in His throne of grace. We may not experience the full measure of all these blessings today. But one day we will when we are with Him in a new creation. And so we trust Him. We trust in Yahweh. We trust God instead of idols. And as we trust Him and Him alone, what happens? All glory goes to Him. And so we come back to verse 1. Not to us, Yahweh, not to us, but to your name be the glory because of your love and faithfulness. We do not put glory in anything else here on earth, including ourselves. Glory must not be to us, not to us but to your name, put in the name of God, be the glory. Let me finish with this story. A story from Randy Alcorn about his wife, Nancy. Randy Alcorn uh, is a prolific author who has written many books about God. He lost his wife, Nancy, to colon cancer in March 2022, after a four-year battle with it. And throughout these four years, He said that he saw Nancy meditate on scripture daily. She read books about God. She wrote journals about her uh, personal reflections in her battle with cancer. One morning after her meditations in Psalm 119, she shared with him what she wrote. And this is what she wrote. My cancer is God's servant in my life. He's using it in ways that He has revealed to me and in many more I've yet to understand. I can rest knowing my cancer is under the control of a sovereign God who is good and who does good. What a sentence. My cancer is God's servant in my life. Not to us, Lord, not to us, but to your name be the glory. Eight months after her cancer diagnosis, she said this in her journal. I honestly would not trade this cancer experience to go back where I was. These last months has been used by God to propel me into a deeper understanding and experience of His sovereignty and His wisdom, His steadfast love, mercy, grace, faithfulness, imminency, trustworthiness, and omnipotence. And when she knew when uh, where she was about to die, she gathered her family around her. She spoke her final words to them, with um, Randy reading uh, words from her journal to everyone. And after that, one of her grandsons said, "Grams, if you can trust God in this, I know I can trust Him in whatever I'll go through. She did not idolize her health, did not idolize her life. Instead, what she did was to trust in Yahweh. He is her help and shield. And that is our call today, to trust in Yahweh, who has loved us and blessed us infinitely by giving His Son. And as many of you would know, and through the prayer, a few days ago on Friday, we learned of the sad news of Tim Keller, gone on to be with the Lord three years after he was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. A few days ago, his son tweeted that he prayed two nights before he died. He prayed this. I'm thankful for all the people who prayed for me over the years. I'm thankful for my family that loves me. I'm thankful for the time that God has given me But I am ready to see Jesus. I can't wait to see Jesus. Send me home. And his last words according to his son, he said this, there's no downside for me leaving, not in the slightest. What idols on earth can give someone that kind of assurance and security? Nothing, nothing. Only the God who made this world, who sustains the world, and this God who has blessed us in Jesus Christ by His Spirit. Keller trusted God, and now he's with his Savior. Let's do the same. Let's trust in the God who has blessed us. And then we can say, not to us, Lord, not to us, but to your name be the glory because of your love and faithfulness. Let me pray. Father God, we thank you that you are a God who is sovereign over all. You dwell in heaven, not a God that we can control, not a God that we have to go through great means to secure your blessing, but a God who has freely given us every spiritual blessing in Christ by your Spirit. And so now, like the psalmist said, we trust in you. You are our help and shield. Help us not to trust in idols of this world, Idols that look and appear to and promise so much, but idols that can't deliver. But God, we know that you can. You are all powerful, sovereign, omnipotent, loving, kind, merciful. And so we trust you and we look to you. Help us, Lord, to cling to you, no matter what we're going through in any season of our lives, and as we do that, what we want and what we, our hearts desire is to say like the psalmist, not to us, Lord, not to us, but to your name be the glory because of your love and faithfulness. In Jesus' name we pray.